This podcast covers true crime cases that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, Emily. Hi, Katie. (laughs) How are you? I have been better, but I'm good. Me too. Me too. Um, so hello, lovely listeners. And hello. Welcome, welcome back to Malice and Mocktails. Um, we have been, missed you. Yes, it's been a minute. We've uh, I've been sick for like the last two weeks. Emily's been sick and dealing with some stuff. And yes, we yes. were supposed to go to New Orleans last, <sighs> was it last weekend. <laughs> Last weekend. It was last weekend. It was last weekend. (laughs) And um, the Sunday before, my husband had a really high fever, um, like almost 104. And I panicked and we went to the hospital because I clearly don't know how to like help reduce a fever with Tylenol or whatever. Well, 104 is the temperature at which you're supposed to go to the emergency room. I feel. White 104, it was like 103.7. So it was up there. It was close. Rounding up. Good enough. And luckily we live very close to a hospital, like literally like blocks away. (laughs) So, you know, I made him get in the car. We drove, it was like 3 a.m. too. And we get over to the hospital and I'm like, oh, my husband has a really high fever. And the guy's like, okay, like, where is he? Because he stayed outside. He's sort of like, do we go in? Because there was a sign where it was like, if you have COVID, stop. I'm like, what is happening? Oh, Lord. So the the admitting, um, I guess, nurse or whoever, he was, he was very nice. Um, he was like, oh, where is he? I'm like, let me go get him. <laughs> He's like standing outside. So I come in and get them all checked in and they test him for the flu and COVID. And sure enough, it was COVID. And I'm like, oh, great. Um, but it's, it's scary because he, he's really susceptible to um, like lung related illnesses. Like he's had pneumonia a bunch of times in his life and all these things. So um, they're like, oh yeah, it's COVID, but you know, just go home rest and here's some medicine for the symptoms. Like, okay. So we, we get home and I'm, of course, like I'm, I'm very, very sad that he has that. I'm like, okay, are you okay? Like we can, you know, I need to quarantine and this, that, the other. And of course, in the back of my mind, selfish me, I'm like, well, crap, can I go to New Orleans still? And um, so I, I ended up staying home that week, just I stayed away from him. Um, I didn't want to go to work just in case I may have contracted it, but I didn't have symptoms. I tested negative like a couple days afterwards. And then I start feeling bad like on Wednesday and I'm like, oh no. And so Thursday rolls around and I'm, I just, I don't feel well. I'm like, oh no. So I take a test and sure enough, I'm positive and I was really sad. But luckily Jason had started feeling better. Um, His fever went down like that night, um, which is great. Saturday, Sunday night after we were dealt with the hospital. Um, So he starts feeling better. I start getting, feeling sick. And so I test positive. I told Emily, let's cancel because it's just, we're, I'm not traveling and this is bad. So we were sad. Yes. The, um, uh, the weather, I think actually turned out kind of icky anyway. Like it was kind of rainy and cold. I was told I could be totally wrong and making it up, but um, (laughs) Because we didn't go, so we don't know. <laughs> but um, it looked from the pictures my friends posted, it looks like they had a great time 
on in their parade and everything. So we're going to hopefully go uh, in May um, yeah. during the uh, Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway. We're, we're going to plan um, that. Yeah. And, so and, that I, and I've had a whole bunch of drama going on in my life, too. Good Lord, you guys. We have all of the drama <laughs> for you. Um, so before Katie got COVID... Um, y'all probably heard about the tornado that happened in Houston. Um, and it would hit like one house, but none of its neighbors. We, we got hit. We're okay. Um, but we got hit to the extent where Jeff and I had to move into an apartment because our house is currently unlivable. Um, but everybody's okay. We're good. The insurance is working on it. Um, and then, uh, so it's all good. If y'all want more deets, just let us know. Um, and then I'm actually homesick right now too, cause we'll, we're still gathering data on that. Um, so once we figure out why I'm sick, um, we may or may not let you guys know, but yeah, I'm not, I'm okay, but I'm homesick and I'm not feeling great. I'm feeling better than I have been the past couple of days, but getting better. Yes. So we certainly appreciate you, um, still supporting us and being patiently waiting for our next episode. So thank you. Yes, thank you very much. We've missed you guys. We have not forgotten about you. It's just no. it's been it's been a rough couple of weekends. Yes, and I've 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 tried to keep you updated with social media, and I've kind of fallen off the wagon there. But um, but we'll we'll get better and all of those things. So let's get into today's story. So um, I since we were planning on doing this Louisiana, like New Orleans theme, mm -hmm. I had researched a bunch of cases and I was like, I'll just pick one since it's already done and we'll go, from, we'll just go from there. So um, today I'm going to tell you about Madame LaLaurie and her famous or infamous house of horrors. Oh, she's you know a monster. You know about her? Have you heard anything about her? Oh, yes. I watched the first few seasons of American Horror Story, and I watched up through the season with, um, I don't remember what season it is, the the witch season, season of the witch or something like that, um, or season, Coven, Coven, maybe. Season Coven. three, I think. Yeah. yeah, I watched that one, and good God, was she a monster, an absolute hideous monster. Not hideous what? physically, just, um, you know, as a as a human being. She, she was no longer a human being. She was a monster. Yes, and in researching this, this woman and her life events, I think a lot of what was on the show was embellished. But well, yeah. also, yeah. Well, yes, but um, also, I mean, it seems like it's it's plausible that some of those things <laughs> actually happened, which is oh. horrifying. Again, monster, monster status. Yes. So let's let's learn about this uh, lovely individual. So Marie Delphine McCarty, as she was born, 
She was born on March 19, 1787 in New Orleans to a very wealthy family. Most of the men in her family were landowners, and I read that all of them had military backgrounds, and her father, Louis, was apparently knighted as the Chevalier of the Royal and Military Order of St. Louis. Wow. I did not go deep into that, so I really don't know what that means, but it sounds fancy. Yeah. By 1794, Marie's family had a very large plantation in New Orleans between Bartholomew and Independence Street, either Street or Avenue, um, backing up to St. Claude Avenue. And if you're familiar with New Orleans, and I honestly had to Google map this, but I'm fairly certain it's in what was, um, or it's, I'm sorry, wow. It was located in what is now the Bywater neighborhood. So it's um, about, it's like a like northeast-ish of the French Quarter, sort of. And Delphine's mother was known for throwing raging parties that would last like into the night. And in one source I read during these crazy, crazy parties, some guests would strip and jump into the canal on the property, like <laughs> down to like their nightshirt or something. And um, other like other guests would then steal like most of the clothes that were left on the bank and their shoes, particularly of the male guests who were in the water, basically forcing them to go home soaking wet in their, like, night clothes. Oh, my gosh. So they were pranksters, I guess. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I know. That's not very nice. It's very, like, but pretty like, funny. Oh, very, like, Animal House. or um, Very camp. Very, like, very, yeah. like, high school, high school sleepaway camp. Kind of, yeah. Like, yeah, that sort of prank. Um, Delphine's mother would pass away in 1807. And following this horrible event, um, her father actually begins a long-term relationship with a woman named Sophie Moussant. And Sophie was a free person of color, um, specifically what was known then as a quadroon. And this term was used at that time to define a person that was one quarter black. Oh. And yeah. Um, in 1815, Sophie would give birth to a daughter um, who she named Delphine M.S.C. McCarty. And the little girl's godparents were Delphine and her brother, Louis. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right, so let's get into Delphine and her many husbands. Wait, husband wait, so, hold on. So the main murderess that we're talking about is Delphine and Correct. her half-sister, her little half-sisters, also Delphine. Yes. Okay. Not, sorry, not to confuse anybody, but yes, the little, the little um, half-sister, Delphine, has nothing to do with the story, at least that I found. That was just an interesting tidbit. Yeah, just making sure that they're both Delphine. Okay, cool. Yes. Got it. Yes. yes. Um, okay, so Delphine, husband number one. Delphine was about 14 when she first married, um, and this man was a widower. He was 35 years old. She's 14. Oh. And Ew. his name, well, and that, I mean, it's normal for that time. Uh, 
Hold on. Come in. Go lay down. <laughs> Katie. <laughs> That's how you should start the podcast. Come in. Go lay down. <laughs> <laughs> A 14-year-old married to 35-year-old. Gross. Yes. Yeah, gross. Um, okay. So this 35-year-old widower, his name is Ramon Lopez y Anguilo de la Candelaria. And Ramon was an officer of the Spanish crown and apparently second in command to the Louisiana governor at the oh, time. Wow. So clearly he had, he had some status. Yeah. Ramon had lost his first wife on the sea on the voyage from Spain to Louisiana, um, where he would begin this this new position. And he and Delphine were, were married in a private ceremony on June eleventh, eighteen hundred. And Ramon apparently like hated the Spanish crown, probably um, because one source I, I found speculates that. Um, he may have blamed the crown for his wife's death um, because they, before he married Delphine, his first wife, they wanted to postpone their trip from Spain to Louisiana because of the time of year. Apparently, I guess like traveling by sea in the 18th century was probably bonkers anyway mm -hmm. and just rough. Um, but a, a time of year, I guess, might have had something to do with it just being really choppy and treacherous more so than normal. So, um, but the crown was like, no, you're going and you're going now. And they're all, Ramon's all pissed off. He's like, fine. And sadly, his wife dies at sea. Dang. So that's what makes him a widower. And he did a few things to piss off the Spanish crown um, that would subsequently, basically they, this crown had had enough of his shenanigans and they would like, I think, send him off like around the world um, intentionally. Like, you know, hey, we're going to just send you around around and you know you'll no longer have this status goodbye oh geez yeah because uh one <clears throat> thing he did um he actually opened up um the importation of enslaved people directly from africa which was in a direct it was a direct violation of the existing orders from spain that actually prohibited the importation of enslaved people until hostilities had settled and had become mo a more quote, peaceful environment in the human trafficking trade. <laughs> okay. Whatever that means. Whatever Spain. Jesus. I mean, um, good, because they yeah. were like, yeah, let's not import people. Well, yes, but we're going to do it later when things get better. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, and so, too, I think Spain... Um, in the, in the sources I found, um, potentially maybe reprimanded him for marrying Delphine without permission, like from the crown. Oh, wow. I guess that's what you're supposed to do. Well, I mean, yeah, if you're a high-ranking official, I would I would assume that they would want control over who you marry because they want to make proper alliances. Because um, oh, they maybe. can marry you maybe. to, like, French courtiers or British courtiers or Russian yeah. or whoever else is a big power player. How long? How long yeah. between the his wife's passing and his marriage to Delphine? Do you mm, know? I don't. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't look that up. It wasn't in 
because I'm if it was, I didn't see it. Because I'm wondering if this is like a revenge marriage, like, oh, Delphine <laughs> is big in France, so ha, middle fingers to you, Spain. Well, I mean, maybe, but she was she was still living in like she was born in Louisiana. Yeah, but you know, alliances and things. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so those things basically got him demoted and moved around the world. Wow. So by Ramon for a little while. He would end up writing many letters to the crown, basically groveling and asking for forgiveness. And Delphine allegedly visited the Queen of Spain herself, like as a way to, you know, hey, please oh, wow. my husband so we can go have our life together. And at last, Ramon was indeed pardoned and appointed Spanish consul to New Orleans under the American administration um, because the, so the, remember the U.S. purchased Louisiana in 1803. Okay. Cause yeah, they got married in 1800. So by the time he's done with his round the world stuff, which I guess is by this time is three years. Um, anyway, that's just a tidbit. Sorry. Tangent. Wow. So they spent their first three years apart, or do you know if she? Do you know if she was hanging out in New Orleans, or if she was traveling with him? So, in looking again at, in the websites that I read, um, Delphine was actually she was in Cuba, in Havana. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Not I'm not quite sure how she like at what point she went there, but um, <laughs> by this at least by this time in 1803. Delphine was waiting for Ramon in Cuba and she was pregnant at this time. So they had to have been met up a couple assuming of times. It's his baby. <laughs> oh my. And they were planning to go back to New Orleans together when he got there. Cause according, okay, so here we go. Sorry. I'm jumping all over the place. <laughs> Sorry. I have so many questions too. I'm probably derailing you. Well, my notes are not, I thought they were better than this. So by now, so now we're at, two years later, we're in 1805. So okay. um, Ramon so is in France at this point. And he was going to make his way back to Havana from France. And in January of 1805, his ship is almost there. He, they run aground in Havana and Ramon is killed. Oh, in 1805? 1805. So she was 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. So she's 19 now with a baby and she's a widow. Yeah. Jeez, that sucks. Yeah. And she spent most of her marriage apart. Jeez, that sucks. Yeah, it sucks. I wasted the best years so of my life on you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if anybody else was hearing that. I was. <laughs> um, so shortly following Ramon's death, uh, Delphine gave birth to their daughter, and she named her Marie Delphine Francisca Borja Lopez y Anguilo de la Candelaria. Wow. And yes. And Delphine would stay in Havana long enough to bury Mary Ramon and then have her daughter baptized and then they go back to New Orleans. Okay. Back home to be with her family, right? 
Maybe. Uh, maybe. She's gonna she's gonna marry for the second time. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. You're a 19 year old widow. Yeah, with a baby. Yeah. Yeah. So she she goes home, and on March 19th, 1807, so about two years later, Delphine marries a Frenchman and widower named Jean Paul Blanc. Okay. And she's 20 by this point, and Jean Blanc was a bit older. Um, I don't know off the top of my head how much older, but I think I've got it later in my notes. So stand by. We'll get there. Okay. So Jean, Jean Blanc um, was described as a ruthless businessman who was active in the slave trade as well as politics. And he may or may not have been associated with Jean and Pierre Lafitte, those notorious pirates who we'll probably cover in an episode this month. Cool. And um, so when Delphine's mother passed away, um, her estate was divided between her kids. There were three of them. So it was Delphine, and I think she had two brothers. Um, and one source I found suggests that Jean Blanc may have viewed Delphine's inheritance as an opportunity to climb the social ladder. Yeah. Because that's what you did. You married for money and status, yep. as we pointed out. So her inheritance was about $33,000. And because I know you're going to ask me, yep. that's about $780,000 in today's money. Jeez. I was going to say $33,000 is a lot back then. Holy crap. Yes. That's almost yeah. a million bucks. Yeah. Well, in, in addition to this, her mom also left her a plantation. Um, and source of income. 52, 52 enslaved individuals, livestock, and farm equipment. And wow. her dad, yeah, yeah. Um, her dad is still alive at this point. He also gives her um, and her new husband a second plantation and an additional 26 enslaved people. Wow. So all of this um, is going to bump her, her uh, wealth to about $2 million, and that's in today's money. Jiminy Christmas! Boom, done, retired. Oh, wait, but she probably know, right? doesn't work for a living anyways. She owns land for a living. I Yeah, but I think in her own right, she becomes a pretty savvy businesswoman later on, like as she goes. Okay. Yeah. And um, Blanc, <laughs> her husband, would purchase a two-story townhome on Royal and Ponty Street, which is in the French Quarter, and it's right next. It was right next door to the Bank of Louisiana, where he was the equivalent to a CEO at that point. Wait, 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 wait. Her dad bought her a townhome as well. No, 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 no. So her dad gives her a plantation, yeah, and her husband yeah, husband so buys her a townhome. Okay, yes, cool. Yeah. What are you going to do with three houses? What. I, I don't know. Sorry. I don't know because Sorry. I mean, I get it. I get it. Sure. The two plantations also are farms, so they're producing some kind of harvest with the livestock and slaves. He really shouldn't. Oh, jeez. Okay. Anyways, we're not. <laughs> Slavery is bad. We, we know that we're not here to bitch about it. But we can. I mean, we can. Uh, well, of course. Anyways, continuing. Any, any, um, okay, so by 1815, um, Blanc and Delphine had five kids. Um, the oldest wow. was Marie Delphine from the first marriage. 
And the family would split their time between the townhome and their rural plantations. Um, Delphine and Jean Blanc seem to have a pretty great life, right? Yeah. Um, But things are not always as they seem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Around 1816, uh, Jean Blanc is 50 years old at this time. He ends up passing away. And he leaves 28-year-old Delphine to settle his estate. Okay. Uh, Jean was in debt up to his eyeballs. Ugh. And I don't know if Delphine knew this, um, but he owed several debtors around $160,000. And that's about $2.5 million today. How do you... Oh my God! I mean, one hundred sixty thousand dollars is a lot now, but I can't. I how do how how do you do that? How do you owe more than you're worth? Two million dollars? They go to the cathedral to make the marriage legal in the eyes of the church. If you've never been to this cathedral, it is freaking gorgeous. Please go. It's smack in the middle of Jackson Square flanked by the Cabildo and the, oh God, it's now the, um, I think the Louisiana State Museum. Anyway, um, fun fact too, the difference between a church and a cathedral is that a cathedral is run by a bishop. Oh, yeah. oh, we did not know that. I thought church was just um, anything besides Catholic and cathedral had to be Catholic. Um, according to Wikipedia, that's what, it is. Huh. Cool. Ca- cathedral run by a bishop. Very interesting. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, where are we at? 1831. Delphine purchases a few lots in the French Quarter on Royal and Hospital, which hospital is now Governor Nichols Avenue. And this building is what would later become the infamous Lollery Mansion. And it is still there today. Um, according to a few sources I found, this this marriage was not a happy one. Um, the couple fought constantly and were just not nice to each other. There was alleged uh, report of abuse, physical yeah. abuse, on the part of the doctor. And in November of 1832, Delphine actually petitions the court for a separation. <gasps> Scandal. This dude. Claiming he had... Qu- Quote, treated her in such a manner as to render their living together insupportable. Wow. And like I said, she also claimed that he beat her in front of witnesses. Um, and five months later, Dr. Lollery acquiesced and consented. Um, and he moved permanently to his newly acquired residence in uh, just uh, in an area south of New Orleans. Remember that, though, because... A fire is going to break out in the house a couple years later in 1834. And the a couple of sources I read, like the doctor was there. So I don't know if <gasps> they reconciled or if she started on. the fire because he sucks. No, it, apparently it was a, um, a cook. Who, who oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. We, at least that's we'll get there. I think the majority. So a fire breaks out in 1834 at the Royal Street property. 
And it would later be discovered that it originated in the kitchen, which I, I don't know the floor plan of the house, but typically your kitchens would be detached from your house. Um, though I'm not an expert in the different like styles of, of buildings in the French Quarter. So I have seen some where the kitchen is attached to the house, but um, in, in, a, in certain styles, like you're, you have it out, you have a separate kitchen, like basically to prevent this from happening, mm -hmm. from setting the rest of your house on fire. But again, that's just speculation. Maybe the, it was attached. I'm not sure. Um, a neighbor, uh, Judge Jacques Francois, um, was one of the, one of the first to arrive um, on the scene. And he and several other neighbors and passerby um, began to help like get the Delphine's like val her valuables um, out of the house. And um, uh, also the enslaved people like get, get think that the house is on fire. Like let's, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Help, help get everything out of the house. Um, but um when the judge was there, a few of um, the neighbors and like other concerned citizens told him about the treatment of these slaves and like basically like like telling him, you need to get these people out of the house because A, it's on fire, but also the way that these people are treating them is not okay. And this prompted the judge to ask, again, I think allegedly Dr. Lollery was there. Um, and I don't know what happened, but, you know, the judge was like, hey, we need to step aside so we can go help pull these people to safety. And the doctor basically was like, y'all need to mind your business instead of meddling in mine. And the judge is like, get the fuck out of the way, sir. We're going to break down your door. And by this time, like the, the flames are spreading and the judge is like, break down the doors, help get these people out of here, get out of the way. Like once they, I guess by this, you know, they got inside, I think they were able to, you know, quell the flames and um, like several um, enslaved individuals were rescued and, but they would like, they would soon, the, they, the, um, the uh, passerby and the neighbors would soon um, find their horrible living conditions like they were, you know, a lot of them were covered in scars, loaded with chains, just like barbaric and tortured individuals. Yes. Yeah. And the slaves were removed from the house and taken over to the Cabildo, um, which was at that time, it was the center of the New Orleans government until about 1853. And um, the more sensationalized of the victims um, had these poor people just like horribly mutilated. Some were allegedly like suspended by the neck and their extremities like torn and stretched. <sighs> and the judge told another judge when he arrived, like he was quote, apprised of there being in one of the apartments some slaves who were chained and were exposed to perish in the conflagration. And um, the judge and a couple of other citizens also ended up discovering, um, quote, two 
negresses incarcerated whom they liberated. One was wearing an iron collar, very large and heavy, and was chained with heavy irons by the feet and walked with great difficulty. So days after the fire, it was reported that one of the, um, one of the slaves did not survive. Um, and that bones were actually excavated from the Lollery's courtyard. I don't know, I guess maybe they were, as they were trying to clean up the, the fire damage, they mm-hmm. came across that. It wasn't clear. Uh, it was also documented that one set of bones belonged to those of a young, um, a young girl that Delphine, uh, specifically a enslaved little girl, that Delphine chased straight out of a window, causing the girl to fall to her death. And then they buried her on the property. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, according to the, the source I read, those were, there were, there were opposing reports um, in the newspapers uh, discrediting the death and the bones. So, you know, lost either lost in translation, sensationalized, or it could be truth. I don't or know. Or she's got good PR people. Well, yeah. Money, money will do she's that. She's super rich. Yeah. So apparently there are records of letters written years prior um, by a man named Jean Bose alleging that Delphine had actually been brought before a criminal court for, quote, the barbarous treatment of her slaves, but was basically the case was dropped because they didn't have anybody willing to testify that they had seen her actually beating her slaves or just doing the crime. And um, there apparently there is a, a book Again, I, I'm, I'm mad that I couldn't get my hands on it, um, but it's called uh, Madame LaLaurie, Mistress of the Haunted House by Carolyn Morrow Long. And um, apparently in this book, she does a really great job at um, sharing and pre- presenting all of the recorded statements that are associated with this, um, just with all this horrible, horrible stuff. Um, and she includes uh, media claims and articles um, that t- about the atrocities that were found inside the mansion. Um, so I'm going to have to go look for this book. Um, if you've read it, let us know, because it, it sounds like a really good resource that I am sad that I didn't wasn't able to find. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, how do you determine what's accurate and what are embellishments? I don't know. Right. But apparently, I mean, there were multiple sources and eyewitness accounts of the just inhumane and cruel conditions that this woman kept her her enslaved people in. Um, and this was interesting. It I also read that um, she was never accused of mistreating her slaves until she met the good Dr. Lollery. Huh. So it was it was speculated in the by the um, in the uh, one source I read that she might have just been like super unhappy in her marriage and was taking it out on her slaves 
or maybe maybe she had been doing this for a long like longer than we know and just didn't care about concealing it anymore. I don't know. Hmm. Or maybe Dr. Lollery, since he was stopping the judge, maybe he was doing it and he was like abusing her to the point where she started doing it too. Mm, maybe. Because the one suspicious thing was like he was telling the judge like, don't, don't come into my house, don't come into my house. Like that doesn't sound like a guy who's protecting his fucked up wife. That sounds like a guy who's protecting his own skin. Mm, yeah. Like, Maybe. you can't come into my burning house. It's my house. Let them burn. Why don't they do anything to him? Do, do they only think that it's her? I think so. Let me, here, I'll, let me read this part in my notes and we'll, we'll see. So this bitch manages to escape into the night, of apparently course. with the help of her coachman, who I guess brought the carriage around. Um, and she allegedly like just steps in with complete confidence that she would get away. And, you know, the, this mob was like, what is happening? And it's, it was said that the mob, the angry citizens, um, basically they're tr trying to hold the horses and, and like take over the carriage, but the, you know, coachman urges the horses forward and they gallop through the French quarter getting away. And um, so it was said that she she fled. She fled New Orleans wow. and sails, I think, back to France, never to be seen or heard from again. Wow. Yeah. If there's a good time for an angry mob with torches and pitchforks, that's the time. Yeah. And there were, there were a bunch of, like, rumors um, on, like, where she ended up. Like, some, a couple of them think that she went back to France or she ended up in New York. Um, others say, let's see here, that, um, that they eventually ended up in Paris, um, with the kids, uh, coming over for extended stays and that the doctor lived off of Delphine's wealth. Um, and they, then he went to Havana. Oh yeah. Maybe she went back to Cuba. Maybe. Um, but um, her death was recorded as um, being in Paris in, on December 7th, 1849. But it doesn't, the records don't specify the actual cause of death. Um, but there are, apparently there were letters between her and her children that talk about uh, just like a lingering illness that she had. And then of course, like even in death, like rumors around her, like just would go crazy. Oh, of course. Um, yeah. In 1941, there were claims made that a mysterious epitaph plate was discovered in St. Louis, St. Louis number one cemetery in New Orleans, and that it um, had the words Madame Lalaurie, née Marie Delphine McCarty, décédée à Paris, le, le um, 7, 7, yeah, 7 décembre 1842. So basically, she died in Paris on December 7th, 1842. Yeah, so that is the bonkers story of Delphine Lalaurie. Wow. Are, are you just, like, taking it all in? Yeah, like, <laughs> like why was there no suspicion of her abusing her um, slaves up until she married Lalaurie? Was she not? 
abusing them before that? Was she, and it just wasn't to the extent, maybe? She was just like a shitty slave owner until she met him, and then she became a monster? Or was she a monster that just hit it really well until the fire? Like, what? Uh, I, I don't really know what I think. It, it's because they're... Um, let me actually look it up really quick. There was what was called a a code noir, like a slave code. Like basically under, gosh, I think it was French or Spanish. Stand by. Okay, just doing a quick, a quick search. So according to a blog through the Evergreen Plantation site, the Code Noir was established in 1724 to regulate slavery in colonial Louisiana. The Code Noir stated that slaves were to be instructed in the Catholic faith, given food and clothing allowances, and allowed to rest on Sundays and the right to petition a public prosecutor if they were mistreated. Oh. Yes. Wow. Wow, it's almost as if they're humans. I know. Fucking assholes. Hmm. It's almost as if they're humans. Yes. And it would make you uncomfortable to see humans being mistreated, wouldn't it? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And under each, like under each rule, so like French, French rule had their own code mar. Spanish had their own and also America when it was under um, American rule. Ah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Like each All each country the- has its own yes. standards, okay, yeah. which are probably very similar, maybe just slightly different with minor details. Yeah. yeah. And there's a, like, just doing a quick search here. Um, there's a couple of different websites I can share if, if that's what y'all want, but. Yeah, so it's very, it's, uh, it's, yeah. It's disgusting. That's what it is. Yeah. It's disgusting. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, that's my story. <laughs> Gross. Oh, Gross. Yeah. Just makes you wonder what what turns people into monsters were they born monsters did they become monsters are all monsters made monsters or are some monsters born monsters yeah yeah because like in looking at when you look at you know serial killers it's always about like head trauma almost always that comes into play or being abused to hell themselves yes and so, I mean, I, I didn't come across any abuse in her, in her life. And I don't know that we, we know, don't know if her family, like if her parents mistreated their enslaved people. Oh yeah. She could have grown up with that. She could have grown, grown up with that. But her father Maybe. married a, 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 a woman who was a quarter black. So you would yeah. think. That if he was willing to marry her, that he wouldn't be abusing his slaves. But, you know, Mm. you don't know. You don't, you don't, how would you know? Yeah. 
He could be one of those assholes that raped his slaves. Who knows? Uh, yeah. Yeah, then there's that. Ugh. Uh, yeah. I feel sullied and dirty. Sorry. Hey, it's a hot, it's a hot topic. It's a hot topic. Nicholas Cage owned her house. Yeah, he did. He did. I and like, wasn't it an orphanage at one point and like a school at one point? I, I think so. Um, and I think there's more information about that on the, I think the preservation um, resource center in New Orleans might have information on that house. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah, and now I don't know if it's, I'm assuming it's it's still a, like a private residence. No, I know it's not open to the public. I'd buy it. Really? It's got to be like it's got to have some fucked up energy. We we'd have to. Uh, You'd have to walk through it before you bought it, because because it could well, have some. I'm not gonna. I wouldn't buy it blind. Um, for I'd oh, also okay. need a million dollars. <laughs> Probably well, more than that. yeah, probably more than that. Like, <laughs> it's pretty famous, pretty, pretty yes. famous house. You probably need to. I mean, it'd be a great Airbnb, though. <laughs> you I'm could sure make a lot of money. I'm sure people would want to spend the night there, especially in the attic. Uh, no, no, thank no. you. No, that's a little too much. You think it's been on ghost tours? The ghost Oh, I'm ghost, sure. Ghost facers. I bet. I bet. Shout out to all you supernatural fans that recognize the theme song to Ghost Facers. Oh, speaking of um of ghosts, so I put this on uh Instagram, but Emily and I are going to be at the True Crime <clears throat> and Paranormal Fest in Austin. Woo! In August. Did not put this in my notes, and now I don't know what I'm doing. No. Okay. So, yes. Yeah, so we will be at the True Crime and Paranormal Fest um, in Austin. It's going to be held at the Double Tree by Hilton, um, which is at uh, 6505 North Interstate 35. And we were given a 15% discount code. If you Ooh. want to use that for tickets. <laughs> so um, if you go to their website, I'll link it because um, I don't have it on top of my head right now. But I'll link it in the show notes and it's also in our link tree. But use code MALICE at checkout to get 15% off of your tickets. That's M-A-L-I-C-E. How exciting. We have a discount code, you guys. You have a discount. Ah, freaking stoked. Feels so fancy. So I got an email from uh, Lainey, the organizer. And um, yeah, she was like, you're going to get a 15% coupon code for your attendees. And you, you it's good for attendee and attendee uh, VIP tickets. Oh. Um, yeah. So, and yeah, so this, this, um, this festival is geared um, towards uh, basically like if you're a true crime advocate, if you're passionate about uncovering the truth and bringing justice to victims. So really it's a victim, victim focused. 
And then of course, paranormal and spooky, spooky stuff. Um, the uh, festival is going to feature panel discussions, workshops, and live podcasts. And like I said, this the focus is going to be on ethics and advocacy in the true crime sphere. And um, oh, here we go. Oh, sorry, I'm here's the website. It's <laughs> truecrimepodcastfestival.com. And again, I'll link that um, in the show notes, and it's also in our uh, link tree on our Instagram, which is just Malice and Mocktails. So. I'm super excited. Emily's excited. Yes. Very and, excited. Yes. And today, um, segueing into our mocktail, I don't have a mocktail, but I ordered this um, really delicious sounding, it's a, it's a soft seltzer and it's, it's technically it's wine infused, but like the the alcohol has been removed so you've got the flavors but no alcohol so stand stand by really quick while i go get it <laughs> okay so it is got the can here it's called h2o but the o is in the shape of a heart no sonoma soft seltzer and I bought the Moscato, and mm -hmm. I'm going to taste it right now. So it definitely has a Moscato flavor. It's very mm. bubbly. Is it dry? Not really. I Ooh. mean, like very slightly, but it's not super sweet either, like a Moscato, or at least from what I remember drinking Moscato. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but... Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yum. Does it have that um, nail polish remover flavor to it? I do not get that, personally. Awesome! I don't get that. You know I they hate do. that. I know you hate that. Our, so our mom um, would drink all of these really beautiful, fancy red wines that... When I would partake in them, um, I was very curious as to how she could drink them. Because to me, it felt like I was being pickled from the inside. And it had that um, really astringent nail polish remover flavor. I don't think I've accidentally drank nail polish remover, but I may have accidentally once or twice like gotten like a <laughs> splash in my mouth or something or like on on my mouth you know but it, it's mm -hmm. got it tastes how it smells so i just that's it's not my thing in wine i want nail polish remover to remove my nail polish not not my inside not, uh, yeah <laughs> yes so they have a couple of different flavors they have a sauvignon blanc they have the um the uh, wow, what am I drinking? It's not, not no alcohol. <laughs> that I'm like. uh, Moscato, Moscato. Um, I believe they have a Pinot Noir and I think a rose. And um, when I ordered it, they gave me a promo code and I did ask um, if I could share it and they said yes. <gasps> um, let me get it here. We have two promo codes in one episode, Katie. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, it's not so, specific to Malice and Mocktails. Um, but still. Just to be clear. Very exciting. But, um, yes. But it is, uh, and I think it, I think it still works. Um, and they, they do say that please only use one per person. But it's That's dry right. February. And you can buy this on Amazon. And I think that that promo code will work on the Amazon link. Um, and they do, apparently they have a tasting room in, um, out in Sonoma. And I'm trying to figure out where it is. So maybe we can go when we're there. Sonoma, Arizona? Mm-mm. No, I'm thinking Sedona. <laughs> yeah, no. Ah. Sonoma, California, ah. which is, it's, um, it's near San Francisco. Oh, so very fun. Yeah. So that's um. Oh, and one one more thing. Golly. Oh, if there's more. Thank you. <laughs> we have a new patron over on Patreon. Yay! I'm gonna give a shout out to her name is Emily. Ah, welcome, Emily. Yes, welcome. Thank you so much um, for joining us. Hopefully we'll get some bonus content up soon for you and our other patrons. Yes. And um, I'll reach out to you soon uh, to also get you some stickers. Yay! So, yay! And we have some ideas for some new stickers. Yes, new, <laughs> new stickers. Maybe some magnets because yes, I love magnets. I love magnets. I have so many magnets on my desk at work, so maybe some magnets. Yeah. I'll be slapping magnets on my... Go ahead. Tell us about the Moscato. No, it's really good. Like, I'm I'm drinking it right now. Oh, yay. It's it's really good. So shout out. Shout out to Sonoma Soft Seltzer. Oh, they have a rosé. I love rosés. I told you they had a rosé. You did? Uh, I only heard I only heard um, Moscato and uh, Pinot uh, Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, oh yeah. And P- Pinot Noir. Yeah. I may um, have mumbled it because I I'm so excited. Wasn't sure. I was probably talking as it's, okay. it's been pointed out to me that I do <laughs> a lot. <laughs> How fun. I might have to order one. And we have a promo code. Yes. Well, like I said, it's not it's not like specific to our show. It just they after I ordered it, they uh, hit me up on Instagram. I don't know if they knew I ordered it or if they just because I follow them and oh uh, sweet. They're probably just trying to promote their awesome drinks. So Hey, if it's awesome, we'll promote it. Heck yeah. I'm going to have to, you ordered the rosé. Maybe I'll order one of the other ones and we can collectively try. Yeah. Ooh, that'll make really good mocktails. Yum. (gasps) Sangria. Awesome. Ooh, and they're low calories. I don't know if y'all care about calories, but. And it's um, non, it's gluten-free, vegan, and (sighs) non-GMO. How would wine be not vegan? No, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Oh, maybe honey. Maybe honey isn't vegan. I don't think honey is vegan. Technically, technically, I think honey is not vegan because it's it, it comes from the animal. Of the vegan, how I think how, how how are fruits and vegetables non-vegan then? Because we all, we 
pretty much only have them due to the work of pollinators. Wow. I mean, just well, but I always thought vegan was um, parts of the animal. Like you're not you're not consuming like the actual product of the animal. But I see oh, what okay. you're saying, right? Like if honey if honey is technically not vegan, then how are fruits and vegetables not vegan? Because um, pollinators have to like pollinate. Helped. helped. Yeah, they did the work yeah. to make it. Yeah, make it I mean. I mean, I guess if you don't use pollinators, like if you have like an indoor greenhouse or something, like, and you just have good fans and things that pollinate for you, I guess Maybe. that would be vegan. Mm. Sorry, random tangent. Random tangent. Just, yeah. Oh, my animals are fighting. That's non-vegan. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm being rude. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't know about veganism, you guys. I really. I don't. I don't. I'm uneducated. I apologize. And on on that note. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, bye. Bye. <laughs> Make good choices. Make good choices. Oh my gosh. But yes, thank you guys for sticking around and listening to this episode. Um, if you're gonna, if you go to the the festival in Austin, let us know. Hopefully, we'll see you there. Yeah, um, drop by. We'd yeah, love to I see you. A, I think we get a table, so like we'll be set up somewhere, saying hello. I don't know. Wow, <laughs> we're gonna be like real podcasters. Cool. Uh, yeah, it is kind of cool. That's really neat. Feels so fancy. Feels so professional. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Hit us up. Um, if you like this episode and our other content, please give us a rating in Apple Podcasts or um, uh, Spotify. God, I need to go to bed. Um, <laughs> if you don't like this episode, you can totally rate us, but please let us know. Um, what you didn't like about the episode or what we could do to improve because we do want to improve. We promise. We want to we want to improve and give you guys a better experience. So just let us know what we can um, get better at. Yeah. If, if I got some facts wrong and you want to make a correction or maybe you just don't like the content, I mean, that's fine. But yeah, yeah. please let it let us know because that's that can be really frustrating. Um if you just like, you know, give us like a one star and it's like, you don't say anything. Yes. Um, we're like, what did we do wrong? <laughs> we'll fix it. We promise. <laughs> yes. And we, and like, we fully understand that, you know, our content isn't for everybody and that's totally Correct. fine. That's totally and, fine. And um, we just may not be for everybody, which right. again is normal. Not everybody yeah. is for everybody. I get yeah. told I'm a lot. So it's all good. Yeah. And I, I mean, I do my best. We both do our best to also get our, get the information accurate as, as accurate as possible. So like I said, if there's anything that you, you know, hear us say, you're like, Hey, wait a minute, that's not right. Or I've heard this, you know, please like, let us know because I'm happy to at least add, you know, I can edit the, the show notes or something to where I can make that correction. Yes. Um, or, you know, if it's really that big of a deal, take down, take down the episode and read oh, it. Yeah. Whatever. It's, 
fine. We'll totally um, update stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So with all that said, um, again, you can find us at Malice and Mocktails on most social media platforms. You can email us at maliceandmocktails at gmail.com. And we will hopefully have another episode for you um, next week. Um, hopefully we'll both be better and be able to keep going. Um, yes. And we will, we will catch you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>